Hey everybody, it's Emily here. Um, you're listening to the Get Offset podcast. This week is, uh, I want to say it's a little bit different, but it's actually pretty much exactly like the Vancouver episode from a few weeks ago. Um, I went to, to Summer Nam, just got back, and uh, I was very lucky to meet with a lot of great humans. Uh, learned some great things, got some cool insights on stuff. Uh, also got to see some friends from Nashville and my husband and I who met in Nashville and lived there for eight years. Uh, talk a little bit about some of the the landmarks and things and how, how, how that city has changed. So it's been, it was really incredible. I just want to thank um, everyone who talked to me, including the swim organization, um, Evan from... Evan Jones from Fender, uh, Adam Rohr from the Let Him Hear podcast, Kevin Equits from Equits Guitars. I uh, also want to just give a shout out to my friends uh, who who met with me just off the podcast. So a uh, big shout out to Matt for, for letting us stay with him, uh, Sarah Rachel Cayley for, for drinks, um, Stringjoy for a fantastic after party for from day one, everyone I talked to at that. Um, Lenore Kinder from Paradigm, thanks, uh, for hanging out with me, uh, Anna Lee Canto, uh, local DJ in Nashville, big thanks, Michelle Sullivan, uh, just so you all know, I'm gonna have some, uh, a little, a little fun with her, I had a little fun with her in Nashville in a studio called The Butcher Shop, so that's gonna be forthcoming, uh, and fun. Big thanks to Tyler Glasser from Grimey's and the Bell Court for the tours of the new spaces. Um, Kate Cawthon for hanging out with us uh, a little bit too. Uh, Brant Stadler, Bruno Jones, and Katie Jones. Um, I don't think I'm missing anybody. Rick, am I missing anybody? He shrugs. He doesn't know. Uh, yeah, so... I'm going to just stop yapping and get to the episode. I hope you all enjoy it. Hey, it's Emily here uh, with... Dee Dee Hyde. And uh, Dee Dee is part of an organization called Smart Women in Music, or SWIM. Yes, SWIM was established about a year ago underneath the NAM Foundation. And we have a fund that we've created to help to allow more opportunities to develop and elevate women within the music products industry. Mm-hmm. Great. So um, who, who all is a part of this organization? Um, what kind of events are you doing? Uh, and that sort of thing. Because I know you're pretty new, but I'm just curious how people who are listening now could get involved if they wanted right. to. It's really wide open to um, both women and men are participating in our initiatives for SWIM, right? Because as we were talking before we were able to get live on really the importance of educating everyone on the importance of diversity and truly what inclusion means within the music products industry. So it is an open forum of opportunity. Um, The events that we have, um, so people can join and become a member of SWIM, um, that's free. That's really just so that we have data and able to share information and educational tools through. So that can happen at smartwomeninmusic.org. And that's really so we can also know and profile more about those people wanting to follow and engage with us. And they can say there, what, what are they looking to get out of it? Are they looking to be a mentor? Are they looking to be mentored? Are they looking for our scholarship opportunities where we have scholarships to bring women to the NAM show, um, either this summer show or to the winter show, that we would take up to six 
scholarship winners to each show that they can receive up to $1,000 to help them with their costs to come to the show. Wow. When they're here at the show, we set them up with mentors so they can do job shadows, be able to learn more about the music products industry and what's on their horizon. And, and then we're also working on our first summit where we will have up to 15 women leaders get together and do a career tracking program with help from an executive program in California. All right, that's fantastic. And uh, you guys have this pamphlet that has a few stats about uh, the women in leadership gap. Uh, so it looks like, and is this overall 14.6 of executive officers are women? Correct. At, and that's that's low, and that's across all industries. And the music industry, the music products industry specifically, is only 2.4%. Isn't that scary and staggering how, yeah. how underrepresented women truly are within this wonderful world, right? So if you think that music is supposed to be about inclusivity and a universal language, yet we are standing way behind the course of where we need to and having women in those leadership roles. Yes, yeah, that is, yeah, that is uh, stark. <laughs> Is a good way to say that. Um, well, yeah, thank you so much for, for taking the time. Uh, you can check out a link to Smart Women in Music in the show notes, and I'll post it to the visual thread on Facebook. Thank you so much. Thanks, Emily. All right, I'm back with Adam Rohr of the Let Em Hear podcast. Hey, Adam. Hey, Emily. So I've been on your podcast a few times, but you've never been on mine. Never. I finally have the invite. I feel honored. <laughs> Well, and here we are in person at Summer Nam, looking out at the uh, Union Station Hotel in the distance. Beautiful view, anyway. Storm yeah. rolling in. Storm rolling in. Just saw an enormous bolt of lightning and heard a clap of thunder, which is uh, maybe the first time I've heard that in a year or two. It doesn't really thunderstorm in Seattle. Yeah, it does a lot in Pennsylvania, like every day in the summer, so I'm, I'm pretty used to that. It's funny to me that I, yesterday in Seattle it was 65 degrees and, you know, a little a little bit of rain, like not like rain, rain, but kind of that misty rain Seattle gets. Now I come here, it's 95 friggin' degrees, it is humid, and it's thunderstorming now, so I'm just wondering why the hell I lived here for eight years. Yeah, it, and I was telling you this earlier, I, when I thought about Nam. In the summer in Nashville, I was kind of dreading the heat, which obviously would be here. But then currently where we live in Pennsylvania, there's a record-setting highs for the past week. So it's 100 degrees there every day. So, you know, we'll get back and this will feel like a nice cool breeze. Yeah, I was kind of surprised when I, like, walked out of the hotel or was walking down Nashville uh, from where we parked the car, which was funnily to me, like, right near where... ID, like this little cafeteria joint that had two or has like five maybe different kind of little restaurants in it and I would go there at least once a week to get lunch and I was like I never thought I'd look at that place again <laughs> yeah it's cool I, this is our first time here and I mean it's cool just to experience the just the fact that Nashville is you know a, there's so much music history here even though there's a lot of silly tourist spots even still, it's fun for me to be here and experience some of that stuff. It's I mean, I can understand yeah. why the locals kind of are over some of that stuff, but it's cool to see. Well, I was talking to you about how I moved to Nashville in 2007. I was there for eight years almost, uh, probably just shy of that. And when I moved here, I thought that, you know, like the lower Broadway sort of downtown kind of place. I thought that was very, like, um, commercial 
uh, caricature-ish, but that pales in comparison to what it's like now. Like, there's like a Kid Rock bar. Yep. There's a Florida Georgia Line bar. It's like every bar ha apparently has to be themed after a contemporary country star, uh, which is sort of a drag and a half. And you know, I, I guess you know the the tourists go and it's like downtown Disney for people who listen to country radio. But uh, it just. Uh, I, I, we were we were went to lunch today and I almost walked past the the restaurant uh, Martin's Barbecue which started in this little shack that my friend and I would go to because her parents lived right down the road from it and uh, it's expanded a lot and I remember I was so excited when they opened their second location and now they have a bunch and I almost walked by it because in my brain it wasn't the right place and I look around and I'm like is this where the Rutledge was and the Rutledge was this divey dingy dark little uh rock club and it had the world's like grumpiest sound man frank and frank just hated you unless you mentioned one of his favorite <laughs> bands and then he'd be really nice but uh now i'm like what happened to frank <laughs> it's, it's just so weird going in there and being like oh man that's where the seating was and that's where the outdoor spot was and this is where the stage was i'm like oh man like that's maybe the saddest i felt at like a change in nashville that i've seen and i've i've only been here for like 16 hours maybe yeah and it's funny because i'm on like the total opposite end of that spectrum where we've never been here so everything is new to us so we don't we don't know what used to be there or what didn't used to be there but i don't know it's fun and we're staying right we're staying a few miles outside of downtown so like our area is kind of like a, a little ghetto but also like there's a lot of cool hip things around so mm -hmm. i don't know it's just a fun getaway for us I think that the the area that I'm going to a bar there tonight with some friends, but it used to be one of the worst neighborhoods in Nashville. It used to be like one of the worst neighborhoods in the country. I'm pretty sure if, awesome. if I'm thinking of it right, <laughs> but uh, there used to, I doubt it's still there, um, but there used to be this, I just would love driving by this place on the way to the record store Grimey's. It was called Hubcap Annie's and on the building, it was spelled Annie, you know, A-N-I-E. And then there was a big sign outside that said, it's spelled Annie, A-A-N. I.e. I'm like, oh gosh, I just, I just, <laughs> I never got tired of looking at that because it was so weird and bad. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I'm going to change the subject here. Go for it. I just played your tuna tone guitar oh. and it is awesome. I know, right? Um, yeah. And Kevin Equist was there with us. He was checking it out for the first time too. And he was mentioning in awe, which of course, you know, you know, and I know, but Layla is not a guitar player herself, but mm -hmm. even like the little details with the the uh, the neck cut out the, near the neck pocket and just all those little details where as a guitarist, you're like, man, this is so comfortable. Mm -hmm. It's so interesting to me that Layla designed that and she's not a guitar player herself. And I know that she, you know, she gets a lot of, uh, what's the word, um, advice and stuff from a lot of her guitar playing friends. And that's all well and good but just the design of the guitar just the fact that she designed it not because like i couldn't go and design a, I don't know a freaking saxophone which no <laughs> but like i don't know it's it's so cool that she does that just based on like her her uh just the aesthetics of the guitar i guess and then she works out all the little details like with the is it brass the the bridge mm -hmm. the brass bridge and nut and i don't know it's just it's, it to me it like has a feel of like it has it's part like almost like violin like with the raised bridge and stuff but also like the old like tisco and harmony and some of those guitars like the way that the nut and everything is i don't yeah. know 
No, it was it was really like nerve-wracking watching Kevin just pour over this guitar. Like he's really investigating, and I'm like, yeah, oh, he was. I hope he likes it. I hope he <laughs> likes it, and uh, I think he did. He did, yeah. So Layla, if you're listening to listening, you got uh, high uh, high praise from Kevin Equitz, and he's in his own right a great builder. Yes. Uh, and I actually just played his guitars for the first time right after I played the tuna tone, so that was cool, too. Yeah, and uh, if you all uh, aren't familiar with Kevin Equitz, go listen to the episode with Kevin and myself on Let Him Hear. We talk about a guitar that Kevin and I designed together. I think it's episode six, somewhere around there. Yeah, yeah, it was early, cause, and Layla was episode one. Yep. And Megan also you had, uh, did you have, Meg- you had Megan Wells on the show? I had Megan Wells on also, yep. Well, uh, worlds colliding, Layla, I think, is today traveling to hand-deliver Megan's oh, guitar nice, to her. nice. Yeah, and she's gonna see Jamie Stillway too. Nice. So it's just like and I've ev- had Jamie on also. It's just like everybody yeah, who's been cool. on your show, Adam. Well, to be fair, you probably have put uh, half of those people in into my conscience. So. Oh, just Layla, I'm sure, because I think Layla mentioned Megan. Layla I'm sure mentioned Megan, Megan mentioned Jamie. You're right. Which is so funny, because uh, you you uh, record that episode with Jamie, and then. You had no idea that she and I were bros. No, I had no idea. I mentioned yeah. you some... I don't know why. I can't remember why I mentioned you, but then she's like, oh, I know her. And, yeah. Yeah. That's cool. She's been borrowing one of my guitar pedals since 2017. <laughs> Which one? Uh, it's a Big Muff Pie, the Wicker edition. Dude, that's so funny, because she mentioned that. I'm almost <laughs> certain on the podcast and was talking about how she's... What is that? Oh, wow. It's a very large truck with two American flags being flown. It's just just like a normal pickup truck. There's got to be like 10 people in the bed of that pickup truck. I'm sure that's not legal. It's going real slow. I haven't seen that truck jacked up that high. It's jacked (laughs) up as high as a semi. Looking to Nashville. Guess how long I was in downtown Nashville before I gave a driver of a car the finger? Five minutes. It's about 15 minutes, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, uh, he didn't. We start, my husband and I were crossing at a crosswalk, and uh, the only reason I gave him the finger was because this driver uh, did not want to stop for, for us, and then he gave us the finger, so then I just returned <laughs> it. A very long salute. Well, it's funny, because we're, 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 we flew in here, so we're Ubering everywhere, or walking, and so we don't have to deal with all that crap, which yeah. is fun for us, because even like where we live, we don't Uber at all because, well, we have cars for one thing, but... Even if we wanted to go out and drink, there's places within walking distance that we could do that. Yeah. I mean, we were just we were just walking across the street. I was like, oh, gosh, this wouldn't happen in Seattle. <laughs> no, people are more polite. Oh, my gosh. Kevin, well, speaking of Kevin Equus, he moved here yeah. from Southern California, I think, in the past year. And he was talking about how amazingly kind and friendly people are <laughs> around here. But mostly, I think he was talking like he's actually more like an hour away from here. So he was talking more like his era. Well, I, I mean, I think that, like, there are definitely honeymoon periods of places, and, like, the more Rick and I are in Seattle, like, there, it's not a perfect place, for sure. There's no such thing as a perfect place, but uh, I think I just got tired of a lot of the things in Nashville. I, I got tired of, of that kind of grind. I got I got really tired of the gentrification. It just was starting to price us out of yeah. everything, and wages weren't increasing as quickly, and the job market wasn't that great. So you're saying that there's places in Seattle that are the cost of living is friendly enough that you guys are okay there because I feel like I've always heard that Seattle is like so expensive it's expensive but people get paid more yeah so there's that Um, I mean it it is oppressively expensive in Seattle 
But I mean, I remember like, so the minimum wage in Seattle is like fifteen bucks. The minimum wage here when I was here was like seven twenty-five, and like you can't do a seven twenty-five an hour job and sure, yeah. live in a the con a, con a studio condo. Like you can't. I mean, like anywhere, let alone no. in Seattle. We have to drive everywhere because there's no real public transportation. It's really yeah. not bike friendly. Right. And then it's hot, <laughs> and humid, and thunderstormy. I don't know. Like I saw an incredible bolt of lightning, and I haven't seen anything since. It just looks really windy. It's funny that just like doesn't bother me one bit because we have. I don't, we had a few weeks ago where we just had this string of tornado warnings every single day. Oh God! And, you know, I we don't never really that. see tornadoes, but we get a lot of tornado warnings where it's just like massive thunderstorms, and I don't know, it's nothing, nothing new to me. Pulling my my now husband out of bed uh, during tornado warnings in Nashville <laughs> uh, was one of the more difficult and frustrating things I've ever <laughs> I've ever had to do. He did not want to go down to the basement, which yeah, we had to go to the outside to go downstairs oh, to the yeah, basement, yeah. so that was not conducive. But just like. Even locking ourselves in our hallway, I'm like, well, we'll definitely die if we're here and a tornado hits <laughs> it directly, but maybe not if it hits us indirectly. And uh, and then, of course, there was an earthquake in Seattle the other day, and I haven't talked to a single other person who woke up for that earthquake. Did I, you it feel was, it? I woke up. Oh, it woke wow. me up. And it felt like, um, I, I think I said to Andrew, it like felt like if you wake up in the middle of the night and you're still really drunk and you feel kind of woozy and you have to spend... And then last night we were on the airplane and there was some turbulence. I looked over and I'm like, this is what it felt like. It's like some really light turbulence, yeah, yeah, yeah. just so you're kind of being rocked around. Yeah. Yeah. Though cool. so I think the cat noticed the earthquake more than any of us. <laughs> the oh, your cat. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, speaking of Seattle, we, you know, we like, I mean, we like to travel, obviously. And we've been to Seattle several times. My wife, who is sitting right beside me here, Christina, she spent a lot of her summers there growing up. Her aunt lives there. And... I mean, all I can say is we've been to a lot of places and seen a lot of really beautiful places, California and Colorado and Texas and everywhere, but just the, the sky and, like, the mountains yes, and everything the and mountains. around the Seattle is just, like, that alone makes you want to just pick up and move there. So, yeah. I mean, I understand that wasn't your reasoning for moving there, but I it's, mean, a, it's it was, a huge benefit. I'm it sure. was a big selling point. The weather was a big selling point, and the beauty of it was nice. And I think that was kind of, like, the moment I decided I think I could live here was just like looking around at it. I forget it where exactly we were, but I looked to the left and there were mountains. I looked to the right and there were mountains, and it was just such a beautiful day. And it was, it was like it was hot here and it was not hot there. And uh, I was like, I love it. And I took Rick, and he was just so astounded by the beauty of it yeah. that uh, it was an easy sell for him. I understand. Like we were out there for two weeks. Yeah. probably three or four years ago when our kids were still very young and I'm out there like looking on monster.com and stuff I'm like mm -hmm. how can I live out here and work I, out here I mean that's that's <laughs> pretty much what I did yeah like I I applied like right after we got married Rick and I decided well, we're definitely leaving Nashville we don't want to stay in Nashville anymore um we I think really stayed for a business venture of his that wasn't panning out and um it was uh, between a couple of places and Seattle by far had the best job market yeah. for, for for me for Rick like at the time he was doing FedEx delivery so he really could have moved anywhere uh, and he and he got a transfer with FedEx and then left FedEx and became um, a developer but uh, so just like having more of a job market there like I moved out there with three job offers it's awesome yeah 
And I'm still with the, the company that hired me. So that's and really it nice. Seems, I don't really know. Like, well, I would imagine it's not like a... I would imagine it's a younger, like, uh, per capita, younger people here in Nashville just because people move here thinking they're going to play music and all that. But I feel like that's the case in Seattle, too. Yeah, I a mean, lot it's of like developers. A lot of, yeah. My cousin just is about to move to Nashville to try to make it, <laughs> which is not exactly the advice I gave her. Um, right. I was telling Christina yesterday i i know a person who moved here recently to do that and she's a singer songwriter and she's older probably like 40 and she's like okay <laughs> like yeah. just okay but it's interesting there's just a place where like people know that they're supposed to move here or think they're supposed to move here to make it and i guess some people do but that's well, kind of what drives people here like crazy well, what I told my cousin was, like, she has a beautiful voice for sure. I mean, you, what, I, what I recommended, what I suggested that she do, and I suggest a lot of people do this, like, build up something in a secondary market where there's maybe not quite as much competition for, for talents and things like that. Yeah, Work totally. on your craft and then, like, get some hype and then move to Nashville. Because when you move to Nashville with a little bit of hype, it means a hell of a lot more than if you move to Nashville as an absolute nobody. I was thinking about it yesterday because we walked around Broadway, but also a lot of the side streets off of Broadway, all the alleys and stuff, all those places have live music all the time. Oh, yeah. So there's so many opportunities, but also... It's all cover there's, bands. Also, there's so many musicians. So, like, how do you even get your foot in the door to play in, like, these little hole-in-the-wall places? I, you know, there's got to be so much competition. So there's got to be, like you said, you have to have some sort of something already developed to offer people. It's, it, it really is who you know, so that right. that's a big thing. But a, a big problem is like, like there is just such a wealth of talent. People don't always want to pay for music because like, oh, well, my cousin's actually a really great guitarist and he'll do it for free. Right. So like, you have to compete. You have to compete with that. Yeah, I don't know like how it works here in Nashville as far as like artists getting paid and stuff. But most of these places we walked in are free, no cover charge or anything, which is cool for the consumer but that's that can't be good on the back end for the performer if the performer gets tips it's fine but like these bars should still be paying the performer right, because right. they're the people bringing bringing people in totally. and like i think like paying for talent is still the way to get better talent totally but also having live music isn't really a differentiator right and like you said a lot of this is like cover bands and stuff which is fine in its own right but like that's not something that i would ever want to do and I've done some bar gigs and stuff in my area, and yeah, they sometimes will pay you a couple hundred bucks, but they're like, you have to pay for three hours. You have to play like two hour and a half sets. I'm like, well, that's not even fun at that point. It's just like, you're playing like 10 p.m. to like one or two in the morning, and it's like, I don't know, I'm an old man. I can't handle that. That's why I like the gigs that I've had, because there's a set at 6.30 and a set at nine. Oh, that's perfect, yeah. I'm, I'm in bed before midnight. <laughs> Which is, which is good because they're on, Thursday, on Thursdays. Yeah, so um, anything you've seen that's been super duper cool? Other than the tuna, tuna tone, honestly, that's probably been, like hers and Kevin's guitars were ones that I've wanted to play for a long time, mm -hmm. and they didn't disappoint at all. Good. Kevin's is the same way, like yeah. a lot of his details. His neck pocket carb is really awesome. Mm -hmm. He was showing us how he sort of kept the neck pocket with also having the double binding on the like the binding on the back which is yeah. i've never seen that because yeah. usually it's like a lot of companies will offer like you can do double binding but then you're not going to have that neck carve like that so yeah. he kind of found a way to do that which is awesome um other than that 
Um, Harmony, the Harmony oh, guitars, yeah. awesome. I love that those. That offset they the, had, like it was so, it was nice and small. Yeah, it was small. Good, yeah, um, compact size. And even the like, the I would just call it a single cut, like Les Paul type of shape. Mm -hmm. That was very small too, yeah. much smaller than like a Les Paul size. Um, and I think the price the price point is twelve hundred and under, which very yeah. reasonable for for. I don't know, even like all of the aesthetics, like the cupcake knobs and the gold foil pickups, it just looks really cool and classy. The the publicist there, I was talking to her, and she said that people were getting some sticker shock from like a $1,200, $1,300 price oh, point. That's on so this crazy. Yeah. Because they're like, oh, it's a Harmony guitar, it should be $300. Oh, I'm like, yeah. no, Become... that, those, are, those are like, that's the same name, right. and this has the same inspiration, but this is actually a nice guitar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and the Harmony is, you know, how long has it been since Harmony has made a guitar? I don't know, decades, but. I don't know. But uh, yeah, that them. I'm trying to think. Um, great. Randomly, I stopped at the Greer Amps booth, yes. and I played their new Gorilla Warfare pedal, which is basically a rat, like a vintage rat, yeah. and it was awesome. I, I don't know. I can't compare. I like that one too. I, I don't know how it compares to other rats. It's been, you know, I'd have to have A B them, but it was awesome. It was like the perfect distortion sound. Um, I'm trying to think, what else? Um, yeah, I don't know. Those are those, that's all I can think of currently. Um, that's kind of the ones that stuck out to me. Nice. Well, I'm gonna let you go. Thank you so much yeah, for the chat. Thanks, um, thanks for chatting with me. Yeah, we'll post uh, links and pictures of the Harmony things, especially in Kevin Equitz and his site, uh, in the show notes and in the visual thread. So check those out. Hey, hey, it's me again, and I'm here with Kevin Equitz of Equitz Guitars. Hey, Kevin. How's it going? Good. How did you like the commute to Nam this year? <laughs> I mean, walking to the show? It was nice. You walked here? From uh, my day job, yeah. Oh, that's why you were here in the afternoon. That makes sense. Yeah, up in um, uh, near uh, Pinewood Social. That's right. Yep, we're by the trolley barns. The trolley barns. I remember when they were getting those all up together, and they were quite the talk of the town. Yeah, it seems like it. Um, we saw some pictures, and I think, like, looking at my work from, like, the Google Maps, it looks like some run-down, like, uh, nightmare, um, like, a, like a horror film setting. Oh, it was. Yeah. That, pretty terrifying. But it's pretty cool now. It's, um, you know, they've got it all built out, and um, they still have a lot of that kind of rustic, like, just brick with, like, sloppy paint splashed all over it, but it's a cool spot. Yeah, that's, that's part of the aesthetic, I would think. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Very, very Nashville thing. But, uh, yeah, so you've been in Nashville since about February? Yep, we moved out here, uh, my wife and I. I had to come out um, a couple weeks ahead of my wife. Um, but, yeah, we, we officially moved, like, mid-February. So we're getting set up. Um, we got our we landed in a place in uh, Spring Hill in March, I believe. Spring Hill, they have their own airport. Do they? <laughs> there was this there was this local Seattle band for a while, and I think they're mostly a joke band, and they may still exist, called the Spring Hill Spider Monkeys. Not heard of it. Well, uh, sometimes uh, the Mercy Lounge, actually every Monday night, the Mercy Lounge used to do this thing called Eight Off Eight, where it would be like eight up-and-coming bands, and they'd play like three songs, and like sometimes there would be different people hosting them. And they, they started promoting that there was going to be a local band doing a surprise set, and they didn't say who it was going to be, and they gave all these hints, and none of these hints pointed to Kings of Leon, and they kept saying it's not Kings of Leon, but somehow people thought, of course, it was going to be Kings of Leon, so a bunch of people showed up and were treated to 
the Spring Hill Spider Monkeys. <laughs> People were pissed. <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I haven't seen a whole lot uh, going on out there. Um, like we're kind of up at the the northern part of Spring Hill. Um, it just seems like there are uh, a lot of schools and houses and churches out there. I, I haven't seen too many venues. Um, downtown Franklin, um, there's apparently a place near there that we need to check out. But uh, we're still getting adjusted to the area mm-hmm. and stuff. We love it, um, but we're we're still moving in and getting acclimated. Good. Well, I'm really glad that you guys are liking it. And is your um, workshop getting all set up? Yeah, actually, I have like a, a bench, like a real bench now. And right. instead of being in a one-car garage that I had to squeeze my car into every night, um, I can leave my stuff set up. So I'm looking forward to um, building that out, like some more, getting um, some better, you know, stuff like storage and a spot for tools, like real tools, like a table saw, finally. And uh, nice. I think that should that should update my. Uh, my uh, output quite a bit hopefully my goal is to double what I was doing before I was doing about five or six guitars a year before so I'm hoping to at least double that I think that should be a a safe safe yeah I think Layla's doing about five or six a year also good for her yeah dude that uh, (laughs) that guitar is amazing (laughs) let me go on the record and say that guitar is amazing yeah nice job Layla very I'm very glad it got your your seal of approval she will be so stoked to know that (laughs) my approval means nothing but uh, I mean, it is objectively uh, a very striking, very unique, very well-made guitar. Um, yeah. I'd love to hear how it sounds. Even if we plugged it in here, I don't think we would really hear it. Uh, yeah. A guitar like that, you could tell the nuances and the characteristics. Like, you really need to just sit down with it and, and, and check it out. But it looks super cool. I love the thought that goes into um, the, the nut and the, the bridge, the way that it's it's all contained and captured in the wood. and it, it just looks like it was built with a lot of intent and, and a lot of thought. Mm-hmm. I know she was stressing over that price point. Do you think that's fair? Absolutely. And, yeah. and I, I, it is tough, and I, it's a very common thing. A lot of other, um, a lot of other builders stress about their their prices because you get this like kind of this artist concept where it's like. You're doing something that you love, which you would probably do for free out of your own interest and curiosity. And then getting paid for it can can be a little confusing sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's easier for people that are looking at their work as a product as opposed to a craft. Um, but you do have to kind of suck it up and, and deal with um, the pricing. Because if you, if you go too low, you're undervaluing it. If you go too high, then it could look like maybe you're taking your, yourself too seriously. It's it's a, a balancing act, and it really needs to be dictated by, you know, demand. And um, and I think that's a absolutely fair price um, in her case. Um, and I'd love to see it go up from there. I think the the more it just looks like there's more and more demand building, more more buzz and more attention. And I think the more that grows, um, she could keep raising that price for sure. Yeah, I mean, mine was the sixth one ever, bu- ever built. I think it was the sixth. I think maybe just her sixth guitar, period. But, uh, yeah, it's gone up quite a bit from the price that I paid for it. Because I remember she told me the price. I was like, oh, really? I'll put a deposit down on that today. Yeah. Like, But um, I have a friend who is a photographer, a wedding photographer, and she was so stressed out about raising her prices. And then she raised her prices, and she suddenly started getting a lot more business because people were like, oh, this is a real deal photographer. This isn't just, like some student doing it it's like almost like if you set your price too low 
uh, no, people won't take you seriously. That's true. My wife's a photographer as well. And um, it, in addition to that, you also kind of do the other photographers a disservice, like people that yes. are, are really trying to, um, you know, earn what they deserve for their work. And, and somebody would have no problem going out and doing the same amount of work for a fraction of the price to where, like, you wonder how they're even sustaining it. But it does kind of... Um, it does change the game for, for other people in the field. And so for, you know, Layla's sake, I I think uh, her price is absolutely fair. I'd love to see it go up from there, honestly, yeah. you know. Like, but driven organically, like, as it should. Like, just keep riding the, this momentum that she's getting, and uh, it's well-deserved, and I don't know. I got yeah. nothing but good things to say. Cool. Yeah, and I'm, like, I'm glad to hear that your bill queue is so full also because that's also well-deserved. Oh, thank you. Yeah, um that came with me and it's largely because it just takes so long to build and then um obviously i had to shut down just to pack up and move from our last place and then to move into this place so there was a good i don't know almost six months of really just very minimal work getting done and and even still i'm, I'm kind of catching up but there were some things to to kind of get um have to like ease into like the the guitars that were kind of in the in the middle of production are they're ready to to finish right now but the environment out here is a lot different there's a lot more humidity and um i'm trying this water-based um lacquer and uh and a color product as well that i know i can make it work as a satin finish that's what was on that ainsley um but the method to to get a good clear uh i'm sorry a good gloss with a clear uh, is different, so I needed to test it out. So, kind of taking advantage of this this time, um, and figuring out like a work schedule and you know interval with like kind of our new routines and our new patterns and my my job out here and you know just trying to get into a new groove. Um, so it's it's a little slow and go, but I'm getting there. Nice. And uh, speaking of the Ainsley, how's that doing? That's the guitar you and I designed together. Yep, um, it's going really well. I got a lot of attention, and um, fortunately, I was able to be introduced to uh, Molly Miller, who plays for Jason Mraz, and um, and she does a lot of other. She's she's um, she's actually Dr. Molly Miller. Um, she's, oh yeah, I forget that. She's brilliant. She's yeah. an amazing player, and it was cool because my wife and I went to go see Jason Mraz um, at the Hollywood Bowl before we ever met her, and and we saw her play, and we were just blown away because she plays with this intensity that's like so genuine um and it's it's just captivating to watch and and she's just got so much talent and and to to meet her was a big deal but then um andy from sinusoid is uh, he's just an amazing person in so many ways he um he really was was making it a point to to get um her and i introduced to each other and so that was right at the tail end of the the winter nam show so she tried out um, a couple of the guitars that I had there, and she liked the Ainsley. And I said, "Just yes. go ahead and take it home with you," because I knew we were packing up to move out here. And so um, I said, "Just hang on to it, try it out, give me some feedback, share it with your friends, you know, whatever." Um, and that that was cool. She, in fact, it was we were driving it was when I, my family and I were driving out here. Um, you know, she called me, and we were talking through like basically details on one for her so um awesome. so she's got one on the list i also got a um you know every now and then i'll, I'll get a, a note like 
somebody that I haven't met, uh, maybe from social media or whatever. And so um, there's another person that's on the list to get one. He, um, hopefully, he's, he's still around by the time I get to see <laughs> his. But yeah, it's exciting stuff. I think that's a party golf cart deluxe down there. Yeah, it's an interesting spot. Um, they say it's like the bridal shower center or bachelorette party capital of the world. That's what I was looking for. Not bridal. Yeah, bachelorette party. The the woo girls. Um, yeah, my last job here, um, we would do something called Honky Tonk Half Day twice a year where we just cut out of the office early and go drinking and then do karaoke at Troubadour. I don't know if Troubadour is still downtown. If it is, it's the best karaoke bar downtown, like far and away. And uh, one year we decided to do it as costume things. And I had just had my bachelorette party in Cincinnati, which was not a party. Like I had like went and hung out with two friends and went to a baseball game. But I had like the sash and all this dumb stuff that they bought uh, for me. And uh, so I'm like, I think my costume is going to be the scariest of all. And I show up in my bachelorette stuff and... Uh, People, oh gosh, like I'm glad I didn't do like a real bachelorette party because people were like grabbing me saying, don't do it, don't do it, and all this dumb stuff. Like, good lord, it was like three in the afternoon. Like, why is this person so drunk? What is your life? <laughs> it, it is interesting uh, because like my job is just, you know, off of broad. I'm pointing, I assume it's that. Is it that way? Okay, yeah. it's behind us. Um, <laughs> uh, that's west, that's north, that's east. Okay, perfect. Yes. It, it's uh, it's not far from there, and and it's funny because like we don't really go to Broadway for anything. Like if the the team is gonna go out to lunch or something like that, they usually try to avoid it because of the tourists and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, my wife and I we saw that last time we were at the, the these pedal taverns. Oh, those are the worst. So it's like you combine you know exercise and exercise and a lot of drinking. And drinking, it's like yeah. just the I, I don't know. People get so wasted and hungover on those things. I just can't imagine the cleanup that you'd have to be prepared for because you're just asking to puke at that point. Yeah, we call those human spills. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Have you discovered the Hermitage Cafe yet? No. Oh, dude, it's cash only, but it's really close to where you are. Okay. Yeah, I'll check it out. Like, we, you know, we're little by little, we're we're kind of finding the cool spots and the the nice places to to hang out or the places that maybe are a little too pretentious or you know yeah. well, not our speed there's more of those now than there used to be there didn't used to be i feel like a ten dollar burger and now there's like ten dollar burgers everywhere the live music though that is good i will say like we walked yeah. around a bit and it was kind of fun to just let your ears kind of do the do the work you know like we were um it was i think jason aldean's place and i don't know we we're walking past it we could hear this lady singing uh, from up on the late, late the rooftop bar, and we're like, yeah, we got to go find that and check it out. And so it was kind of a fun little adventure to find out exactly where she was. And you know, we caught a cool little show. Um, and then you know, from that rooftop, you could see right into I think it was Kid Rock's place, and it had like <laughs> Kid Rock's place, freaking why? It's got like I think at least three floors, and all the windows were open, and there was a band on each floor. And this was on like oh, that sounds like Thursday. that sounds like my nightmare. Yeah. It's just, it, that was a trip. Like, you know, at any given moment, there's multiple uh, bands and live music going on. So that's if, nice. if you're really sensitive to, like, a lot of stimuli, like, if you don't have much of an ability to get, like, a cocktail party effect, uh, you do not want to be on Lower Broadway on any night of the week. It's just, like, every single window, every single place has a band. Because, again, you have to. You have to because everyone else does. 
Actually, that might that might be a good differentiator. We don't have loud live music. It's it's like an introvert's nightmare. So it'd be nice. Oh, yeah. it might be good marketing to like have a place where you can like sit down and like actually listen and maybe talk to somebody else while you're enjoying like your food. Just decompress like my husband's doing right over there. Yeah. I think he was taking a nap earlier. It's good man. I I I'm feeling it. I'm like vicariously living through him right now. He just lives his best life, and I'm like, you just want to, like, like just take a nap. Like, no one's going to think that's weird. Like, there was someone walking by with, like, a big, like, it wasn't a headdress because that would have been offensive. It was, But it was, like, uh, some weird mask situation. I'm like, no, you're not, you're not going to be the weirdest person here just taking a nap. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's almost like you have two cats, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. uh, he's kicking back. The cat's easier to wake up. <laughs> I see. The cat, the cat wakes up for earthquakes. Oh yeah, you guys had one, huh? Yeah, I was just talking about with Adam. Uh, Rick slept through it, and every, almost everybody I knew slept through it. Um, it really was just like waking up, like if you wake up in the middle of the night and you're still kind of drunk and you get the spins. Hmm. Yeah, there were a couple that um, not far from where our family still is in Southern California. It was like Fourth uh, of July, Fifth of July, something like that, or yeah. I, they were a day apart, I think, something like that. Um, so that was interesting to kind of experience that from out here, you know, all the text messages about, oh, you guys okay? Everybody's fine. Yeah, I texted my cousin, and she's like, oh, the last one, the big one, like 7-1. And she's like, I had the cat carrier ready to go in my bug out bag, and uh, it was scary. Yeah, it's interesting. People, um, you know, they complain about the, the storms and the weather and stuff out here, but it's like the uh, you don't have any warning with the earthquakes out there. And, I think a lot of Californians, like, they'll feel it shaking, and some people freak out, but others, it's like, they're just kind of waiting, like, all right, well, do I go for a doorway, or do I, you know, get under a table, and I'm like, nah, we'll just ride this one out, like, you kind of get numb to it, I think, to some degree, or, like, the small ones, I think, are kind of exciting, you know, it's just nice to be reminded how small and insignificant, you know, we really are. <laughs> <laughs> By the earth shaking, no, I... I kind of freaked out a little bit because it was my first uh, experience with an earthquake. I immediately went online and bought, like, a bunch of stuff for my earthquake preparedness kit, like a filter straw. I think they're called life straws. I bought this. um, The only, like, wrench to turn off the gas I could find was also attached to this, like, survivalist hatchet. So now I own a survivalist hatchet. There you go. So you could, in the uh, dystopian apocalypse after an earthquake, you could, you know, turn off your gas and, you know, hunt your own food with it so that's good yes i can i can uh fend myself off against um attackers with, with my survivalist hatchet it is a healthy reminder though just to like have a kit be prepared and, and all that yeah because i've been like i'll do it i'll do it i'll do it i'm like i need to do it now like that could have been bad and i would have been unprepared why are all these people i keep seeing people kicking their electric scooters <laughs> instead of just like like that do you have a throttle like i've been on those they're throttle like look like i just kicking up the hill it's not going fast enough i guess those things are fast i haven't done one yet it'll make you feel alive let me tell you uh, maybe i gotta try it out make you feel alive make you feel a little bit like you're going to die someone was telling me that there are different laws about whether you're supposed to ride on the sidewalk or the street depending on the street and like that is just too confusing now, there's like a little placard on there that says not to ride on the sidewalks, but I mean, clearly that's not stopping some folks. But uh, someone was also telling me that these are going to get, um, I guess, I don't know, shut down or banned or like they're they're going to 
or there's talk about taking them out of here. I mean, I think that's, I get the, I get it. I get not liking them, but on the flip side, there are obviously people using them. Um, so obviously there's some demand for them and there just aren't a lot of other good options really in a lot of cities to get around. Like the bus system here is really bad. And I don't know what those weird little golf cart things are, but those almost seem more dangerous. And those are scarier to me. Especially that one. It had like 30 people in it. <laughs> there were so many people. And just like hanging over the edges. And like, I've been on those golf carts. I would not want to be on one on, on a street in Nashville. Like, I, Rick and I were trying to cross a crosswalk this morning. And an Uber driver decided he didn't want to stop for us while we were already in the crosswalk. And he gave us the finger. So I returned the, the salute. Nice. Yeah, I think it's like the the bad thing is like I know that like doing that in Seattle is one thing, doing it here like people own guns here, <laughs> and I was once um, when I when I worked here uh, just south of all this, I was um, just I would always try to find new places for lunch. I knew there's a barbecue place that opened nearby, so I kind of walked down there, and the door was open, so I walked in. And the guy, he's in there, he turns around, he's like, what are, you, what are you doing in here? We're closed. I'm like, well, the door was open. He's like, it was just locked. I'm like, well, it wasn't locked now. And I just walk out. Uh, find out a few weeks later, that guy uh, did have a gun. And he did kill somebody in his bar. Uh, he, he was serving a bunch of people after hours. They were drunk. And he got in an argument with a honky-tonk musician and shot him in the back of the head. Wow. Yeah. And he was supposed to, his episode of Bar Rescue was supposed to air that night. So um, the original airing of it got taken down, but then someone forgot to, like, take it off of the whatever playlist for the the late one. So it did air exactly once, and I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah, that's a, that's a bit frightening. So you, you almost dodged a bullet then. In a literal way. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't like, swear at him or give him the finger, but I did, like sass him a little bit and he was he was really rude i'm like oh yeah maybe maybe don't do that emily yeah maybe give him some space next time yeah not my best i was like 23 or 24 and hungry (laughs) obviously hungry nothing more reckless than a, a hungry uh person in their early 20s a hungry young millennial lady See, none of them are kicking their scooters. No, they seem to be doing okay. They're a whole gang. <laughs> Scooter gang. Scooter gang. Well, thanks so much. I think I'm going to go to the smart women in music thing, wherever that may be, for a while. And then I might go to the String Joy thing later. Are y'all going? Yeah, we'll be there. Cool. I know there's another thing of the wild horse, but I don't, I don't think I really want to go to that anymore. Um, yeah, we're just kind of playing it by ear. That's what we found is best to do with something like this is just kind of allow um, allow space and allow time to um, to kind of just be available after the after the event um, because stuff pops up, especially like last minute too. And and I imagine out here with the just the musicians and kind of the scene, there could be all kinds of probably some really good music really good hangs that you just find about on your way so it's hard to come in with like a real set agenda yeah the hard thing for me oh that guy almost wiped out uh he should not have taken that curb so sideways but uh 
I, I have just a lot of friends here from being here eight years, so like I I have a lot of people I haven't seen in four years, and I really am trying to see as many of them as possible. And like there's there's someone I'm gonna spend a lot of tomorrow with who um, I like she and I have been like close friends for 15 years, and I'm just so excited. Like, I I haven't seen her in four years, and she's gone through a lot since like I last saw her. She got like diagnosed with cancer she recorded an album she's like trying to she's like trying to do the things and so just gonna hang out with her do some music stuff maybe do a little video action and i'm just really excited i'm excited i'm especially excited for that hanging with some former roommates tonight i'm gonna see a couple of my professional friends uh (laughs) tomorrow and just like things like my wedding photographer who I'm friends with gonna see her I think I saw her last summer but I think I'm gonna try to catch her for a little bit tomorrow night so I don't know I'm gonna be back at Nam tomorrow morning for just an hour or so and then I don't I don't I don't know if I'm gonna come back on Saturday yeah it's nice the show is small enough I think in in a, in a good way you know to where um you can you can see it in a day, and yeah. you know I don't have time to get like some good meaningful like conversations in, and and try out some new stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I think about a day and a half is fair. Cool. Well, uh, thanks so much again. That's Kevin Equitz at EquitzGuitars.com. Is that the website? Yep. Fantastic. Uh, check him out on Instagram and the things, and uh, I'll have links to that in the show notes in the visual thread. Good times. Yeah. Right, thank you. Bye. Well, hello. I am here outside of uh, Stringjoy waiting for a little party to start. We're here a bit early because our parking was up. And uh, Rick and I were driving a route that we used to drive all the time. It was right down where I would used to sometimes leave work and I'd go to his house up in uh, Woodbine, a.k.a. No. Nashville. Oh, my gosh. He called it Hoodbine sometimes. He, didn't wanna, he doesn't really want to be on the podcast, so I'm making him do it. And a lot of things have changed in Nashville, and it's just our first day here, and I'm sure we'll see more things that have changed. But uh, we were so happy when we drove by Mr. Burger, and its sign still said... It here. (laughs) Yeah. Not it's here. Not it's here. It It here. It space here. Doesn't say what it is. Where did the S go? Where did it go? Unsolved Mysteries of Nashville, one of the many... But uh, it's nice to see that some old Nashville things have survived uh, gentrification. And Mr. Burger, it here is one of them. That was one of our inside jokes, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Today, Rick uh, got lunch at a Nashville staple called Arnold's. How was it? Uh, Arnold's was good. It's a nice meat and three. Uh, I usually go to the Dairy King because that's where my uh, really good friends, uh, their family... You know, they own and operate that meet and three. So if you're ever in Nashville, Dairy King is a good choice. Arnold's is also conveniently located near the convention center. So that was helpful for us. Yeah, that was nice. So what did you think of Summer Nam, Rick? Uh, it was nice. It was good to see all the vendors, lots of different instruments and audio equipment um, out there. Um, lots of really cool guitars, guitars that I had never seen before. So that was, that was neat. Yeah, yeah. And not... Not as many bases as you would have liked to have seen. Yeah, I wish there was a lot more bases. There were bases mixed in throughout, but but no real specific um, bass booth, if you will. Yeah. Did you have any favorites? No. 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 
No favorites. That's uh, well. Uh, shout out to the Casio booth because they were very hospitable to us. The Casio booth was awesome, and I, I I'm going to talk about this more probably on a in depth on an episode with Andrew because I think he would dig it. But like they have this little keyboard that's $109, and it weighs eight pounds, and it has a handle, and the handle you can put a little like stand in the handle. It, I don't know. It just like it really appealed to me and then I turn around they had it in white and I yell it, it comes in white and then there's another one in red I'm like it comes in red it was very exciting yeah yeah so we're just standing outside of Stringjoy because we're dopes and we're early and I can hear one of my old nemeses of Nashville I was hoping I wouldn't run into any old nemeses but here I can hear those Friggin' cicadas. How early are we? I thought we were just like 10 minutes early, but I think we might be more early. Five till? Well, I don't know. I'm just gonna listen to this creepy ass cicada. Maybe we should drive around back. Yeah. Yeah. Here we, we are, brainstorming. away from these cicadas. Yeah. Oh, the other thing I saw that was exciting was Joey's House of Pizza. Have you, did you ever eat there, Rick? I don't think so. I don't think I have, no. Yeah. So, looking at the things that are still there in Nashville, my old office building in Nashville was still there. It's a big old historic building, and it's a really weird space because uh, it was initially part of the Vanderbilt Health kind of university. It was an active hospital. It had tunnels to get to, like, the bigger hospital, like, in the winter without going outside and you, you can still kind of get into some of the tunnels but then it was like poured concrete and they kind of blocked it off there was a big hole in our ceiling for several years and that was and you can still see the bolts in the walls from where like the stadium style seating was so people could watch operations either from within or from above uh so that was always trippy and then after it was a, a hospital a medical hospital, um, educational hospital, I suppose is the word I was looking for there. It was, they, they man, used to manufacture, um, I think chemical weapons, uh, is my understanding. And then it was a nightclub and there was still a hot tub on the roof that was kind of boxed. And I don't know why they left the hot tub there. It was there. Um, so that was bizarre. But uh, shout out to my Rock House peeps who don't listen to this podcast. They know exactly what I'm talking about. So I think Rick and I are going to try to find the party. And if we can't find the party, we might just leave. Gosh, those cicadas scared me so bad. They want a party. The cicadas are banging. That's their, that's their mating noises. Dual. Like, it's hot. Yeah, yeah, it is hot. So, yeah, let's get back in the car with the AC and try to find some uh, some folks. Sorry for making you do that, Rick. He just waved. I love him so much. So, now I'm here with Blake from the Tone Mob. Hey, Blake. Hey, what's going on, Emily? Hey. We were just talking about Mr. Burger and it here. It here. Oh, man. I really want to go to Mr. Burger. I was talking to Scott about it on the way. Scott from Stringjoy, because that's where we are. Uh, and I was like, have you ever been to Mr. Burger? He's like, no. 
like, how could you, how could you live here, drive by that on a normal basis, and not live here, not go there? And then I find out you are in the same boat. No, it's or just we're in the same boat. Right? It's just one of those enigmas. It's like, oh, Mr. Burger, right here. <laughs> I just. Okay, I'm gonna actually pull up a seat so we can. Oh yeah, good idea. Talk next to next probably week. not sat down. But yes. Oh, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. So here we are at Stringjoy. Yes, uh, I have been here a couple times. Scott and I have worked together in various capacities for a long time, so I've, I get all the all of the dirt and details on what's going on around here. But this is the first time I've gotten to see it in full operation like this. Nice. And. When you go back there, we'll show you, but it's pretty cool. Like, it's kind of kind of amazing. You guys, they went all out on the barbecue. That's Martin's. Yes. Yes, that's where we had lunch today. Oh, <laughs> doubling down on the Martin's. You know what? I, of all the things I could double down on a trip anywhere, I'm glad it's Martin's. It's so good. I yeah. really like it. I, it. I had it last time, but not. this will be only my second time having Martin's. So you'll have as, Martin's as many times in one day as I have in my life. I've had a lot of Martins because I had a girlfriend who lived out in Nolansville where their first location was. So every time we went out there, Martins. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I was really excited when they opened their Belmont location. And now their new location. I talked about this already on the podcast. Yeah. I think I could do a whole episode of this podcast just going to old places in Nashville and be like, well, this used to be that. Because uh, <laughs> the new Martins downtown used to be a, a live music venue called The Rutledge. Oh. I, news to me. I, that's the one I've been to, is the yeah. is the one downtown. I was like, this place is huge. I'm really glad that they kept the Rutledge name for their event space. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I like that they seem to have some respect for the area that they're in, I, I feel like. They they seem to, at least based on just their their materials they had at the at the location, they were just like, Nashville this and Nashville that. We love Nashville. So. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely good. Um, people respond well to that, especially tourists. But uh, I think Martin's has always been deserving of the hype mm-hmm. uh i had their brisket tacos for lunch oh man i love brisket so much i think that's my favorite barbecue meat oh oh yeah i like to do the first time i go to a place i like to do pulled pork because if you can't do pulled pork right then you probably can't do anything right right exactly yeah brisket is the first thing I, well i did a few sets of ribs but when i got really into barbecuing brisket's the first thing i went for and uh, it's the only thing I cook that I feel, like, very confident in. I mean, I'm not, mm-hmm. like, a pit master. But on my, at my home grill, I feel very confident about the quality of my brisket. Nice. What do you have? Do you have, like, a Traeger? I got a Traeger, yeah. Nice. That's, that's like the cheating, one. But it's okay. Oh, I mean, it's the best. <laughs> like, I love it so much. Yeah. Those little wood pellets just it's, – it's an oven outside. You should make brownies on it. I haven't made brownies. I'm not a big sweet guy, yeah. but I have made many a pizza. Oh, I think they're looking for how to get in here. Oh, all right. Yeah, the Passy's got it. <laughs> yes. He's a good dude, that Passy. Yeah, I, it's, uh, this is really neat in here. This is, uh, this is quite different than when it was. It was a lot of boxes. and I mean, this area, this front room that we're in, um, people can't see it, but I guess we could describe. It's probably yeah. like a, I don't know. 20 by 15 I think maybe uh, like 25 feet ish I think either. Yeah, but it's just a nice front room. They got a bunch of amps sitting on the corner, a bunch of guitars on the wall. Yeah. It's the nice string joy blue. Yeah. Um, It'll be a good get together. I mean, we should should have we should have a lot of people showing up to this. I I think. I think. 
I know Kevin Equitz is coming. I think Adam Rohr might be coming. I think Diaz is coming. I'm pretty sure all those are coming. And then I talked to Matt Hoops just before I left the convention center. Sounds like he was going to come. So. Oh, cool. I haven't met him. Oh, he's a, he's a sweetheart. You're yeah. going to like him a lot. Good. Yeah, he's a great guy. I like knowing that I'm going to like people before I know, meet them. It makes me less nervous. <laughs> I don't think there's a... With him, there's nothing to be nervous about. Oh, I mean, we had him on the podcast. He was really sweet. Oh, well, and there he's, you go. And he's from Ohio, too, so. Oh, that's right. I actually knew that. I remember yeah. That's one of the episodes I definitely listened to. I oh, forgot. Yeah. <laughs> I listened to a lot of podcasts. So that was one of our, the, definitely one of our bigger episodes. I like that one. It was yeah. a good one. And uh, that one and then our mutual friend, Mike Adams. Those are probably my two, oh, my two faves. Mike's, Mike's was so good. Y'all go back and listen to Mike's episode. He's a... Uh, He's one of my favorite people to podcast with, period. Oh, he's such a good talker. Oh, and he knows he knows how to react to the person he's talking to yes. in a way that is entertaining for people to listen to. Uh-huh. And like also it it gives you something to respond to. Totally. He's just really good at being on a show. Some um, people it's a little bit like pulling teeth to talk to them. There were some people I talked to today that I'm like, oh the product's cool, and then I like tried to talk to them. I'm like, mm, maybe maybe not. Like uh, it's kind of like it just has to be like an easy conversation. I know some people take some warming up, but you don't always have that much time on a podcast. Like maybe ten or fifteen minutes, we do warm up with people, just like get them comfortable, get them talking, yes. let let their you know alcohol kick in if they've chosen <laughs> to, to imbibe. I had my buddy Jim Bryson on, and uh, <laughs> sometime in the first like ten minutes, he's like, I just you know I just uh, he's in Canada, so it's legal. He's like, I just smoked uh, some 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 marijuana before I came on this, so to loosen up a bit. Well, of course. I mean, you know, uh, it's legal where we are from, too. Yes, so, yes. I mean, hey, whatever. Like, hey. You, you do whatever you got to do. I think it's it, it's various kinds of legal in a lot of places. Yeah, I think we're on the cusp of it just being legal. And I I mean, you know, whether however anybody feels on that's not really yeah. what we're here to talk about, but, like, yeah. I, it's going to happen, so... I saw, I don't know about the legality issues here, but I, when we were driving in at like midnight, maybe I imagine this, there was a, I saw, I saw an ad for uh, weed maps. Oh, maybe, I don't think it's legal here, so but I was very it confused might be by that. legal in some neighboring states or something. Yeah. I don't know. I, could I be, don't know. I could be talking nonsense. Right maybe now. it's medically legal here. I don't know. The guy who would know is outside. Yeah. So I don't. <laughs> yeah. None, neither of us are locals, so. No. In fact, we both decided it was a good idea to come across the country to, to Nashville for this uh, this summer NAM. This is my first summer NAM. Is this your uh, first summer NAM? It's my first summer NAM, but it's not my first summer in Nashville. Oh, it's not my first Nashville summer either, but uh, I don't know. I, I it's, not, it's not been as brutal as I thought it was going to be. I feel like I was hotter last time I was here. I'm not sure what it is. I think it's that it hasn't been sunny. Yeah, that's true. It's still been like 90. I don't know. Maybe I'm getting acclimated really fast. I'm not sure. Well, I remember when we were walking from the car to the convention center today, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember like dealing with this. Like, it sucked, but like you deal with it. Like, right. It's not that bad. But like when I left Seattle, it was 65 degrees. <sighs> it's the perfect temperature. I know. I mean, just all, you, you, you can put on a light sweater if you want to, mm-hmm. if you want those extra pockets that come in a, in a hoodie. Right. Uh, you don't have to. You can uh, wear long pants. Of course. That's pretty key for me. Yeah, I am a – Chris Benson likes to make fun of me because I really like shorts. But every time I wear pants in front of him, he's always like, why are you wearing pants? <laughs> I'm like – I have some friends like that. I'm like, it's weird to see some people without shorts on. Well, I used to always 100% wear shorts because my old job I had coveralls. Oh, and so yeah, I wore so gym wore- shorts underneath just so it's like I'm not dying. Yeah. And now 
I don't always have to wear coveralls, so I wear pants more, and it throws Chris off because every time I'd like stop by after work at his shop and be like, "You and your gym shorts," I'm like, I, "This is what I. This is my work clothes." Yeah. Yeah. But. Yeah, it's um, I, someone told me the joke that like, for every like straight guy who like the 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 female equivalent of straight guys who wear shorts in the winter is like a. Lesbians and tomboys who wear pants in the summer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess that makes sense. I mean, yeah, that checks out to me. That is true. Like, and I, I mean, I am a tomboy who wears pants all year long, and I, yeah, I'm, I'm into it. If I were, I would wear, when I was little, especially, I'd wear, as a tomboy, I'd wear dresses over shorts. I don't know what I had against shorts. Hmm. I don't know. They are kind of, I don't, I'm not really sure. Shorts are such a weird thing. They're such an, uh, oh, oh. Uh, you gotta do a thing? I think we, I think we need to. Yeah, he's probably out back at the back door there. Yes. Um. Anyway, that means the barbecue is ready. Woo-hoo. Um. We should probably not talk about shorts though. What's your favorite thing you saw at Summer Nam? I'm. Gonna, it's gonna sound really weird, but um. Okay, I, I say one of my favorite things was just the Greer Amps booth. I have oh, not had. Yeah, I've not had the opportunity to to play any of his pedals, and I just I really liked them all. Nick is a uh, kind of a master of the of the dirt. I mean, he has other things really well too. Yeah. But I've never played any of his dirt pedals, and not been like, "Wow, this sounds ridiculously good!" Like I've, really good. I think the Soma was my favorite. I played that at Nam, honestly, kind of being like, "Eh, it's an overdrive. Like, I'm not gonna be that excited about it." Plugged in. Yeah. Same. Went, oh. Oh, yeah. oh. Oh. Okay. Oh. All right. Yeah, all right. I like it. Yeah. And it's going to sound weird, but I think my favorite thing overall was that $109 Casio. Did you see that? I didn't see that. <laughs> it's Tell just me a little, more. It's a little Casio uh, keyboard, um, just a couple octaves, but it's eight pounds. It has a handle, oh. and it sounds it sounds fine, but I'm like... Could it be like a MIDI controller, yeah, too? Yeah, 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 totally. Perfect. And um, they have a $160 version where like the keys light up when you can attach it with like a an iPad that has a Guitar Hero-esque game oh, to help you learn like the keyboard fast. I'm like, that is brilliant. Ah. And I and I like I don't really play piano. I have like a keyboard in the house. I feel weird not having a keyboard in the house as a musician. I'm like, I think I'm gonna get rid of that bulky thing that I have and just get one of these guys and I might actually play it because I can like play it when I'm on the sofa watching TV or whatever. Right. Yeah. When I do a lot of my playing. I I kind of feel what you're saying, and I'm probably gonna. I mean, I'm gonna go look at it tomorrow. But oh yeah, I don't have a keyboard, and it doesn't. Bucks. It's 110 bucks. It doesn't make. I need something. Yeah. I have a piano, but which is nice, and I like playing piano. I'm not that good at it, but it's I like enjoy it. It's like this big. It's eight pounds. It has a handle, and the handle you can buy a um, music stand that goes in the handle. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. It was really neat. This I was like, oh man, I was like going I'm like, ah, this is like, like I just want. I'm, just gonna be here to be nice and i'm like that is dope what about you what was your favorite thing so my favorite thing so far is pro well i don't know what they're calling it after the string joy booth of course of course the string joy booth is always just an amazing experience for everyone involved uh yeah um let me i was trying to make that really elaborate and stupid but i failed um one of the coolest things i saw today was the i wish i could remember the name of it uh, Old Blood has a pedal out that's uh, kind of like a vocal pedal. Is the it's a well, it's not out yet. It's a it's a prototype that's okay. there. Okay. So it's a they've got XLR ins and outs. Nice. Um, but you can also plug in. It's one of those XLRs that has the center. You could plug a quarter inch into. Oh, cool, cool, cool. And so you can do that. And we were talking about some of the stuff. And since it was a proto, it has a drive section, 
and then a has two different um, FE1 chips in it. Mm-hmm. So it's got 16 different uh, programs all together. <laughs> and you can run one, you can, the, the two XLRs out are wet dry. Yeah. So you can do all kinds of crazy oh, things nice. with it. It was really fun to play with, and like they have mics there, and you can just say nonsense into it, and you know, it, I was making monster noises and and all this stuff, but it was really yeah. I'm like, oh, and then I was talking to Dan, and I was like, is this preamp? Because he's like, oh, if you plug in an instrument that bypasses the preamp, I was like, no, you want the preamp because you can make it super you want, dirty. At least you want the option. Yeah, I was like, you should have it switchable or just have it on because yeah. that preamp on it is actually really cool. It's I could tell it would probably be a great. Great for guitar. So yeah. That's probably the coolest thing I've seen today that I absolutely was not expecting. But yeah. um, there's there's some other stuff floating around there. I got to play with the mood a little bit more, actually. I played I, with it a little bit. I just, like, couldn't figure it out, really. I, 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 I have one, with that. but I haven't got to sit down with it. I, yeah. ma- I actually made a, a short video with it where I was like, I don't know what this pedal does. <laughs> I'm just going to plug in, set up my microphones, and mm. start messing with it. And it actually turned out pretty cool. Nice. But I have no idea how I did, what I did, or what exactly I did. Yeah. So I don't know. But it's uh, it's on Instagram. People want to see it. Yeah. So. Well, I'll put a link to it in the show notes and drop it in the visual thread, which I do. Well, I just I have one more question for you. Sure. Uh, do you have a favorite pizza in Nashville? So um, I haven't had that much pizza in Nashville, but I have been to Five Points thanks to Five Points pizza Scott over dope. here. Yeah, Five Points was incredible, so that has to be my favorite. But there's one up the road from here that I've heard a lot about called Joey's. Joey's House of Pizza. Yeah, they got that food truck. Yeah. I used to have that at events sometimes. I've never had it, but I've heard nothing but good about it. So I'm going to try to get it while I'm here. Uh, the odds are a little bit slim, I think. Rick, what was that pizza place we liked near Buddy Killin' Circle? Oh. Now we gotta look it up. I don't know. It might not still be there, but. No, it was a wood fired. Desanos. Yes. Oh my gosh, Desanos is like, oh man. Yes, that spicy oil. Those little, those little uh, pickled peppers you put on top, and then, and then, yeah, they, they, they don't, they're not kind to you later. Those little peppers, but they are real good. That place used to be BYOB. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. It's even still doing wine somewhere. Oh, nice. Um, but uh, they have a separate sale now, so it's like yeah. a little bit bigger. Yeah. So it was really nice when you could just like bring in anything you wanted. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, gosh, those were the days. Old Nashville. <laughs> Not that old. That place is like five or six years old. I feel like... Oh, what you got there, Rick? Can I have some of that? Yeah. <laughs> oh, is that alcoholic LaCroix? I kind of want Fantastic. Spicy LaCroix. Well, thanks so much, Blake. Absolutely. Yes. This is great. Fantastic. All right. Bye-bye. All right. And here we are again. Uh, thank you for having this party in your lovely office. Oh, thanks for coming over. I appreciate you helping us with the barbecue and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, well, my husband worked really hard opening that door for the catering lady. It seemed like it, yeah. It yes. I was just saying I had Martin's for lunch. Oh, did you really? Yeah, I'm very... Very excited to have Martin's You're twice You're back in, in Nashville. Day. You should have Martin's like four times in one day. I know. I'm not complaining. I'm not <laughs> complaining at all um, because it's. I used to have it just all the time, mm-hmm. and uh, especially once they opened that Belmont location. Oh, yeah. I know that life. I saw um, 
God, I don't remember his real name. Bonnie Prince Billy there once. No way, really? Yeah. Um, he must oh, have been. I, I he must have been. I'm, I'm blanking on he it. He must have been recording at the Sound Emporium. That would make sense. I, I love him so much. Oh, I do too. I know that I'm blanking on his his Christian name, as it were, because he would like record under Palace Music and then like Palace. And God, Palace what band. is his name? We're just kind of um, Nashvilleians. Uh, yeah. And, and New I Partner just, is one of my favorites ever. It's from it's during the Palace Music uh, era. I just he's my, awesome. My ex, I hope I don't run into in Nashville, loved Bonnie Prince. Billy. We all have an ex in Nashville we try we not all, to run into. I have I one know. that I haven't seen in like seven years. That That's I've been amazing. like, I'm going to see her all over because we did all the same things. Yeah. But she's probably really good at like being like, he's in there. I'm getting the heck out of here. Yeah, maybe she just like can feel it. Like, oh. I have, uh, there was a guy who, um, he and I kind of had a falling out uh, after working together. It wasn't a romantic thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I would always say, like, if I was a comic book character, he would have been my nemesis. And I saw that dude everywhere. Oh, of course. Like oh any good gosh. nemesis. They're, like, always on him, your heels. I would see him at the grocery store neither of us frequented. Like, I would see him at every show, which made sense. I would see him, like, at trade shows with jobs I didn't know he had. I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> Why? I hate this so much. He doesn't listen to this song, but I'm not going to say his name. I had a friend in high school who, like, deeply hated uh, our assistant baseball coach, and his dream in life was to make so much money that he could uh, buy whatever company he worked for and then fire him. And yes. Then, and then buy the next company that and just perpetually dream. do this. I think a lot of people have that thing where um, there are people, I, I know more than one person who always said he had a bottle of champagne in the refrigerator for whenever L.A. Reid got fired. And when L.A. <laughs> Reid finally got fired, I'm like, Eric's opening up that champagne! <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. L.A. Reid, like, who wrote all the Usher songs and all that? Or a different L.A. Reid? Wrote. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know. Who knows? Yes, that L.A. Reid. But that, that The L.A. Reid from Ohio. The one who was name-dropped in that pink song. Oh, was he? L.A. told me you'd be a rock star. All <laughs> oh, that's who change. she's... I didn't realize that yeah. was the lyric there. I know yes. that's what you mean. Oh, yeah, oh, she wow. meant L.A., which is clearer in the video where she has a look-alike of him. That makes sense. I don't so, even know what he looks like, though, so I, I wouldn't know. Bald black guy. I, I, I probably tall. just took it as, like, L.A., like, Los yes. Angeles as I, a collective. I think it was, like, a double-meaning sort of thing. But that makes sense. I remember, like, everyone thought he was going to get fired because I think he passed on or fired Lady Gaga. Uh-huh. And then he found someone else who was huge, and it, he redeemed himself in that way with his career until Me Too got him. Everyone, like, I ever worked with in the music industry that was, like, you know, either a producer or radio person or, like, anybody that, like, you know, could choose to take on a client or not, depending on, you know, and you would pitch them. Everyone knew of, like, all the people they had passed on so that when yep. they passed on you, you'd be like, well, they passed on the Rolling Stones. Yes, it's fine. Yes, yeah. yes, I, like, still well, remember, you know. like, there was one radio guy that we always, like, worked with, but he, like, passed on the Lumineers, and that was, like, when that was huge, and everyone would just be like, eh, he passed on, like, that, which yeah. was, like, obviously a big hit. He doesn't know. <laughs> no, he doesn't. Not everybody can be right all the time. That's true. That's true. So, uh, can I make an assumption about you? Go ahead. Did you go to Belmont? No. Oh! <laughs> Close Dang! Though. Vanderbilt? Yeah. Ah! My, my life's work is being mistaken for somebody that, that went to Belmont. All right. <laughs> Vanderbilt, me would be very happy about that. <laughs> I, I, I started, like, hanging out with all the Belmont kids. Like, oh, yeah, we were cooler. That, like, saved me. Because, like, yeah. as soon as I got to Vanderbilt, I was like, what in hell? Yeah, that that's very like that is the backup school for all the Ivy Leaguers. I remember my, my, my good friend, like I was her maid of honor and she when she was 
a little bit younger than me and she was like applying for college she's like i got wasted listed by vanderbilt I'm like that's great because that means you're going to get in she's it's like, still better like, than going, no, going like, to no, cornell it's a, though it's ultimately. a really competitive school i'm like yeah but everyone who applies to harvard uh vanderbilt's their backup so the ones who do get into harvard or any big school <laughs> like they are going to not go to vanderbilt and you're going to get in and she did <laughs> yay it all worked out it worked out and then she hung out with a lot of the Belmont kids, yep. too. But she was also in a sorority, so she was into that scene. Mm-hmm. So I think she, was, she she got along with both. She crossed the street. She crossed the 21st Ave sometimes. This is, this is the trick, yeah. My, my girlfriend of many years I met, she was a Belmont girl. who was a freshman when I was a sophomore. Mm-hmm. So that helped. It was yeah. like I spent most of college going to house shows and, and all that sort of yes. thing. Yes, oh, no Belmont had the best house ever, shows. Ever dare. Belmont had the best house shows. Indeed. This was the Diarrhea Planet era. Uh, oh, I knew that. those guys, yeah. yeah. Likewise. I um, fellas. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, Jordan was always great. Jordan was always so Jordan's nice Jordan's from, me. like, three blocks away from me. Oh, fantastic. Like, north of Indianapolis. I was probably closer to Evan and Casey, and yeah. I think Evan left, and I haven't talked to Evan in years, and Casey was another Cincinnati guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was always great. Uh, gosh, what, did you ever go to any of the Primo- Primrose shows? It sounds familiar. Primrose Circle. Yeah. yeah, those are my buddies. Oh, yeah. Uh, Evan Donahue been... played there. Yeah. It was like late autumn cassette release. That was like well. Ben and Colin and mm-hmm. Kevin all live there. And they were right down the street from my house, too. All and... old Nashville people have like a map of like, yes. here's where the house shows were. And some of those yes. places are still venues. <laughs> like, they just changed hands a zillion times. No, so I, 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 I understand that um, Glenn Danzig's place is not Glenn Danzig's house, I think it even got bulldozed. Ben died. That he did. Yes, yeah, that, that was, was very sad. sad. That was that messed me oh, up. That was a dark day in Nashville. Oh my yeah, god, that yeah. was hard. And oh. then Psy, everything very bad happened with Psy. Yeah, that, you know, that. Was oh, sexual right. assault stuff. Uh, I, I don't know the detail. I don't want right, to like no, fine, go fine, on fine. record too hard. Nobody but, knows who we're talking about. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll that's bleep, fair. I can yeah. bleep the name. But yeah, everybody like the very last. Um, 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 what do they call it? Freaking weekend got like everyone pulled oh, out because that's when not everything came like happened. public about it and like a bunch of bands split off and threw their own thing at charlie bob's it, it all ended with a bang oh gosh just that's a complete implosion that's Indeed. disappointing it was a good time though back then yeah. but new nashville well you know Nashville in general continues to be cool. The East Side's got a lot of cool stuff going on. It all just changes. And, like, I moved to Seattle, and I'm friends with a lot of people who are, like, old Seattle and stuff like that. And I like New Seattle a lot. (laughs) And I know how they feel, though, after spending almost eight years in Nashville, that it's just so, like, disorienting almost (laughs) when you're, like, going to a a great barbecue place. But let's not kid ourselves. It's a local chain. (laughs) Sure. That used to be, like, this dingy club that you used to go to yeah. and, like, have the sound guy yell at you. Mm-hmm. For, oh, gosh. It's, like, the original, I think it's Geno's East in yeah. Chicago that, like, the original place is really divey and cool. And they've, yeah. like, chained out and everywhere feels very yeah. sterile and chainy. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah, it does feel chainy. I mean, but it also it looks so much like the original one to me. Yeah. Uh, that I've been going to since, like, 2008, mm-hmm. maybe. Oh, man. 11 years of Martins in my life. That's a beautiful thing. It, it is a beautiful, it's a beautiful thing. beautiful thing. Is Ellison Place Soda Shop still around? It is. Yeah. Yeah, that's like that the one that always down. seems to hang on. Though they're never open. I don't, I, don't, I don't know how they stay around, but they haven't gone down yet. Because when they almost closed, because rent went up, everyone got pissed and, like, shamed the The, the Gold Rush finally gave up the ghost. <laughs> oh, man. 
Is Santa's Pub still about? It still is. But Fantastic. it's it's become like an extension of Broadway in many ways. Oh, no. You know, it's like all the bachelorette parties like have to go there. Damn They're making good money. There's a cover. It's it's a different There's thing. There's a cover? Yeah. I just like you go there and you do your karaoke. I know. No, there was a moment I saw like Jack White there. I think I even saw Taylor Swift there. Like Shoot. there was like a brief moment that no one was ever there except for like uber famous people. Damn <laughs> they got to just like hide out there and then the cover got blown as it always does. Yeah. You know. Of course it does. Nash- New Nashville ruins things for everybody. All your like listeners are like, I don't understand, but I've heard all of these things about Nashville. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I thought Nashville. It was sounds like city. it's become terrible. No, Nashville <laughs> seems to be quite cool. Like, like for, I I, can, I see why bachelorette parties want to come here. It's fun. It's cool. And there's like the two tiers of the city. Like there's yeah. like downtown and Broadway is like made for that, and those people never leave there. And nope, it's fine. That's fine. And no local ever goes there. Nope, so it's, yeah. like, it's like Times Square, nope. New York. You know I, I mean? would go like, to Ro- Roberts like a couple times a year <laughs> because we would do Honky Tonk Half Day where we'd shut down the office oh, early cool. and we go drink <laughs> and do karaoke at Troubadour when they open. Yep. Yeah, now that's all insanely packed. It's like Vegas down there. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, that's a... It's like Vegas for people who love country music. It is. It's like a trashier Vegas. Hillbilly Vegas? <laughs> no. Bachelorette parties. Vegas. What? Vegas for people who think Kid Rock is country. That's exactly right. Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, sweet Jesus. Oh, my God. I remember when he moved to Nashville, we'd all be like, oh, that's Kid Rock's condo when we drive past it. Oh, boy. Like, oh, yeah, Lord. Yeah, he's got Kid Rock's big-ass honky-tonk and rock and roll steakhouse. That's the that's the proper name of it. I don't like that. Name. No, nobody Just, does. Just no, thank you. Yeah, I'm sure the, the tourists love it. Oh, yeah. But they I can have get, it. I want to get a T-shirt with that. It works out fine, yeah. you know. It's just funny to me because a lot of cool people will be like, I love Nashville, and they come to town, and they only hang out down there. And oh, uh, they're like, it was it. great. I'm like, really? That was great? Yeah. Like, I wouldn't have enjoyed it, but I don't know. My brother came down here with some friends a few years ago, and he's like, I had to wait in line everywhere I went. I'm like, then you went to the wrong places, brother. Yeah, well, even the good places well, have gotten that way. But I just, I, I don't know if it's going to happen. I would love to go to Prince's. It, well, the original Prince's exploded. What? <laughs> Somebody drove a car, like, over the curb somehow, uh, and then through the parking lot, and then into Prince's. And they and never the, rebuilt? And I their think car then familiar. exploded. <gasps> no! Um, yeah. So, they say, like, they're, like, closed indefinitely. I don't know if they'll, like, but make they it happen again. But they have the secondary But they have the place in Nolansville. Yeah. Oh, it's in Nolansville. Yeah. Mm. Um, well, I do have some people I need to see in Nolansville. I'm sorry. But it's always funny do with they the do, do they, I wonder if they still do call Oh, that's always the trick. That yeah. is the trick, uh, yeah. I, I don't want to go to Hattie's. No, I know, because Nam's funny, because everyone's like, oh, you got to have Hattie B's. No, Hattie's is like the gentrifier. Exactly. All these people have been coming here for, like, many, many years, but they're still, like, they're just, like, they're, like, frequent tourists yeah. rather than, like, knowing it, so they have all these things. Yeah. What's always weird to no, me is, like, like, a you, local. If you're going to go different, go to Bolton's at least. Exactly. It's, it's always weird as a local is, like, this is my city, and then, like, all these companies will come in that I know a lot of them, and they're good yeah. folks. But it's weird to see, like, you know, a pedal company from L.A. be like, it's our party with Hattie B's or whatever, our favorite place. I'm like, wait, how? It's like everyone stakes a claim yeah. to, like, one part of the city, and it's just weird to yeah. be the person that's from here. Yeah, yeah. Gosh, like, I don't get me wrong. I love Hattie's because it was a much better commute than driving all the exactly. way. Exactly. I lived in Hillsborough Village, and I was right down the street. And, uh, yeah, it's good. Oh, yeah. It's not Prince's. It's, like... It's spicy chicken. It's good. Yeah. I'm not going to shame people for liking Hattie's, but It's like, a higher quality, like, base oh, chicken, totally, you know, which, totally. which is nice. And you can get nuggets every day of the year. 
but yeah, I think people are starting to show up. So uh, thanks so much for the chat. Sure thing. Thank yeah. you for letting me rap about Nashville. Thanks. Yeah, dude, literally anytime. <laughs> literally anytime. I'm always here. Yes. All right. Hey, Vincent. All right. All right. I am back with Evan Jones, the CMO of Fender. Hi, Evan. Hello. How are you doing this very, very hot day, hotter than the last? <laughs> doing great. Uh, we have our NAM legs on this week, so, which means we're standing around and uh, talking to folks all day long, but it's great. Yeah. I really like the booths that have that uh, fake wood that's very cushy. Oh, you mean the, the cushions underneath? Yeah. Yeah, those are good. That's kind of kind of amazing. I, I used to stand up all day working at theme parks and stuff, so I wish I'd had that. They're great. You know when you walk by one, it feels better just for a second. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So um, thanks, first of all, for taking a little bit of time to, to talk with us at the podcast. Uh, Andrew and I are big fans of Fender. Um, I especially love uh, Fender's inclusivity with their advertising. It seems that you all, above other brands, are doing more in terms of featuring women in your ads, but not bring, bringing attention to the fact that you're featuring women in your ads. And uh, so I know that you've been on for about four years with Fender. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about how you all came to that decision from a marketing perspective, what research went into that, and maybe a little, like, because it just seems from the outside like you guys are killing it. So I'm, 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 I'm a little curious if you can talk a little bit about how, like, the response overall has been. And that's a lot, but I answer that however you see fit. Well, first of all, thank you for saying that. That means a lot. And it's important to us that, you know, I know you're a musician as well and an artist, and it's important that people like yourself understand what we're trying to do. Um, I, I think, you know, there's a couple things. First is, um, at a broad-based level, um, you know, we totally embrace the notion that guitar has evolved. Um, it's becoming more diverse than ever. Um, across gender, across geographies, across genres, and I think as a brand who is here to facilitate creation of music, um, we really do think it's our job to be um, as open and inviting um, and um, sort of celebrate uh, all those different forms of creation. So we don't really look at it through the lens of one thing or another. We just look at it as musical expression, and that's what we want to support. Um, and I can come back maybe a little bit later and talk about some of the things we're doing with artists specifically. But I think, you know, from a marketing standpoint, if you look at the journey we've been on since I've been here, um, a lot of this started four years ago when uh, myself and Andy Mooney, our CEO, first started. Um, we were hungry for data, and there was a ton of institutional knowledge about how to make guitars and what artists want, but not a lot of data about who was buying guitars. So uh, we conducted probably one of the biggest research projects in the history of the company to really understand the user base. And what came back was really exciting, um, but also unexpected, which is the, the number one stat I think you referenced is that 50% of all new guitars purchased at that point, uh, new, were by females. Mm -hmm. And I think we looked at that as an incredibly uh, exciting piece of information, but I think for a lot of people in the industry, um, it was unexpected. I think if you were to ask most people who work in guitar shops, who's the customer base, um, they would have said 70-80% male. The reality is what also came out of that research is that the predominant, um, uh, well, that the predominant way that those new customers are buying products is online. They're more comfortable um, because retail has traditionally been a fairly intimidating environment overall. And I would say, um, especially for women going back four years, 
in fact, as an anecdote, um, our head of retail, um, Jessica, uh, who comes from the fashion industry, she did some secret shopping on her own when she was just getting started, and she got asked two questions. The first one was, are you here for your husband? And the second one is, are you here for your boyfriend? And so, you know, I think we as a team sort of took that on as just another thing we wanted to address and correct. And, you know, she's addressed that through trying to create more inviting environments with um, um, experiences that are, you know, essentially inviting to anyone who walks in. And we have about 12 shop and shop programs that now do that. But just to get back to your question, I think that research um, really kind of triggered a lot of the investment that we've been putting out um, in support of the brand in the last four years. The other piece of research that came through was um, that 50% of all new guitars are also purchased by new players. And that 90% of those drop out within the first um, year, if not the first three months. So probably two of the biggest things we've been focused on is, you know, on the one hand, becoming increasingly diverse and really working hard to make sure that our marketing reflects the changing face of guitar today. Um, and then the other um, big initiative that we've been driving is adding a digital learning subscription service and facilitating, making it easier for new players to come in, to learn, and stick with guitar over time. So happy to talk about all of that, but, but fundamentally um, it's sort of a combination of research and I think a mindset that has really guided a lot of what you see happening now. Yeah, Fender Play is really interesting to me. I feel like um, if you can grab an instrument and be able to play something in the first like couple of days, that just really does a lot for your confidence in a really good way. So it's really interesting to me how uh, no one else seems to have thought of this. Well, I think that there are um, some smaller players out there that have been trying to do this for a while, and I think certainly anybody who picks up a guitar for the first time, the predominant way people search for information is through YouTube videos. Um, we know from some additional research that online videos is the most popular way for people to learn, um, arguably more popular than in-person lessons, but it's not very organized, it's not very um, quality, and so our investment in Fender Play was really designed to provide um, a guided path curriculum that you could learn at your own pace but really oriented around getting you playing songs as fast as possible. Um, yes, because it's pretty affordable too, isn't it? Super affordable, um, not to be too promotional, it's $9.99 a month uh, on a subscription basis. $9.99, I'm sorry, I thought it was more than that even, but that's, well, wow. No, and, and if you want to sign up for a full year, it's $90. So wow. literally it's the price of one to two lessons in person you can uh, have access to you know, several thousand videos, lessons, song lessons, tips, tricks um, for a full year. That's really great. Wow. Um, you were talking a little bit about um, that research study and how it uh, was eye-opening for you all. Um, what's the response been from other people in the industry? Because it just says, you know, a woman who exists on the Internet sometimes. Um, I know that there are still a lot of people who just don't believe that study. They just don't believe it, like... Their anecdotal evidence is stronger to them than the, the data. So is that something that you've also experienced a bit, um, that skepticism almost? Yeah, a little bit. Um, but from our perspective, it's, you know, choose not to believe it at your own peril. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. You know, the world is changing. Um, it, it has changed. And I think probably one good example of where we originally saw some pushback was when we shared that initial study with um, our business partners and retailers in Europe. 
and there was some pretty heavy skepticism that that was actually the case. So we extended the study into the UK market, and what came back was essentially identical. Amazing. So it's not just a US thing, it's a global phenomenon, and I can even tell you that if you looked at, for example, Japan, where we've been doing business for a long time, um, 40-50% of all new guitars are bought by young female artists there as well. So wow. it's a global phenomenon, it's, it's really exciting, um, but I think any pushback that we originally experienced um, has really started to dissipate because what we're seeing is as we've been more inclusive in the marketing we put out there, as we've amplified and elevated female artists at the same level as male artists, um, the demographic of who's coming into stores is changing. Um, even the demographic of who's joining our social channels has changed dramatically in the last three to four years, which is super exciting to see. Yeah, it's just it really is amazing how once you start to uh, include women in the things, and they feel welcome and they feel safe. And like I think I said this, I don't remember if we were recording, but just like using them in ads as just musicians and not bringing that attention to the fact because I think that's I think that's the best way to do it because then as a woman you don't feel pandered to, which can make you feel like it can make you feel a little bit bad. Um, from a marketing standpoint, what I also think is so smart is that uh, the, the price points and the, like, for the quality that you're getting on some of these guitars is so, it, it's not intimidating, it's affordable. You're like, well, I guess, you know, I don't, if you don't know, I already know how to play a guitar. If I can get a nice guitar that's cute and uh, is like how I want to express myself and, you know, Charlie Bliss or whoever is playing it, um, then you can, you can do that and it doesn't feel like such a big investment. Yeah, I think if, if you look at kind of the same time frame, um, one of the things that we've been doing from a product marketing perspective is overhauling all of the various series of electric guitars and acoustic guitars that we make. Um, and a really good example of that from last year is what now is the Player Series. Mm -hmm. And that replaced the Fender uh, Standard Series. What we did is we actually built a lot more um, features, playable features, um, different combinations into that line and we positioned it at you know a five to six hundred dollar price point our goal with that series was to have that be sort of the forever front door to the fender electrics mm -hmm. brand and what we really wanted to do is focus on younger uh, up-and-coming artists to include them as really the faces of that whole series and i think what you're going to see from us is we're going to continue investing for example in that series over the next couple of years because it's going to give us the opportunity to get outside the guitar bubble, so to speak. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there's so much growing um, interest in picking up guitar that we're seeing is we just want to make it as easy as possible to get the most number of people in. It's obviously good for business, mm -hmm. but we also think it's good for what we all care about most, which is music. Yeah. So that's that's a big part of our strategy, and, and maybe to support that, for example, when we launched it, we included um, Cherry Glazer and Melanie Fay as yes. two of the lead artists. Melanie Fay, man. Whoa. Phenomenal talent, yeah. Nashville-based, um, so good with the guitar, um, and has so many great years ahead of her. But oh, yeah. just a great uh, ambassador for that series. And, you know, in, in those campaigns, we really just turn the camera on and let her talk about what it means to her, mm -hmm. which is important to us because that also allows us to authentically amplify her voice. Authentically, yeah. Yeah. Nice. So, um, yeah, is there anything else you want to talk about with the, the, the artist outreach and programs that you're doing? Well, probably the biggest thing that we, in addition to everything else we're doing across our product launches and social channels, um, is this last year we announced a program called Fender Next. 
And really what that is designed to do is uh, identify 50 of the top young up-and-coming or emerging artists around the world and support them with backline gear, tour support, but also marketing support. Our goal there is to really become sort of best-in-class marketing partner to artists. Mm -hmm. And what was really exciting for us, too, is that we were able to, as we were identifying these artists, 40% of those artists ended up being female. Um, and artists like Snail Mail, um, Ashley McBride, Japanese Breakfast. Um, and some of them came together for an event that we had during South by Southwest this year. Um, and we also had a similar uh, stage at the Great Escape in Brighton this year. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And in fact, one of the nights ended up, I think, almost being entirely dominated by female artists. I think we had seven artists that night. Yeah, sometimes um, that just happens by accident, and it's a beautiful thing. It happens by accident, and to your point, we really don't try to differentiate. For yeah. us, it's really just about identifying great artistry and yeah. supporting it in all its forms. Yeah, again, just not saying, like, not saying, oh, here's our women lineup or whatever. It's just like, it's not a secondary class of musicians, and that's, that's something I think women struggle with. Uh, constantly because you know at the same time we want to build up like this community that we have but we also don't want it to be like we're trying to do women only we just want that to we want that to be like the, the norm for it to happen accidentally for years I worked with this little festival um, in, in Seattle called the Timber Festival our lineups were always at least half female fronted we didn't advertise it. We didn't try. It's just like, hey, that's the good music that we were listening to. Just if you expand your own horizons, you have that, that chance. Yeah. Well, there's, there's probably a Spider-Man quote in here somewhere, but I think for us <laughs> as a brand... And we would appreciate the Spider-Man quote. Yeah. Well, we, we really do believe that we have a responsibility mm -hmm. as the industry leader. Um, you know, we do business across more categories than anybody else. We lead in terms of artist adoption more than anyone else. We don't take that for granted. We don't take it lightly. And we really want to make sure that we're reinvesting the dollars we do have to spend on helping to create that next generation um, and amplify the artists who are driving it now. So that, that's kind of an important ethos to us. And to your point about you know, not creating a separate Fender Woman campaign, from our perspective, um, the best thing that we can do to show that we look at artists across the board equally is to act that way. Yeah. And we think the actions are probably the most important part. I think I that, that. I think people forget that part. Yeah, and I, I think from our standpoint, like, we still feel like we have so much work to do. Um, we're proud of the progress we've made. I'm really proud of the fact that our retailers and um, media are appreciating the effort we're making. But we believe like this is just an initiative for us that's just starting and it's going to be a permanent part of how we operate. Well, thanks so much for, for taking 15 minutes to talk uh, to me about this. Uh, I'll include uh, links to Fender Play and Next in the show notes and in the visual thread on the Facebook group. So uh, be sure to check that out. And, you know, again, thank you so much. No, thank you. Much appreciated.